Rink wide left, Martinez to the right, they score! Carlson! Back and forth with Martinez! Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Petrangelo scores! Two markers for Petrangelo! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace, Darren Millard, we are down at the downtown Las Vegas Events Center for FanFest. Chris Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studio. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... So FanFest starts at 5.30, runs until 7 o'clock. Uh, players, Chance, uh, the Vivas are here, uh, many cast members uh, out and about. We've got games, we've got activities, and we'll uh, be able to hear from the players as they are interviewed. The broadcasters are here, and one of those uh, stops by right now. The voice of the Golden Knights on Fox Sports Las Vegas, Dan Duva, joins us uh, in person, socially distant, uh, on the other side. I don't think it has anything to do with COVID. I just think he wants to be as far away from us as possible. Well, I was but. amazed you had me this high up in the queue. I thought you'd save me for later in the program when, you know, the, the inverted pyramid of journalism would suggest you put the most important stuff in the beginning. So I don't know how I ended up here. What are you doing at FanFest, like the actual FanFest? I'm not sure yet. Really? I think they're going to have a broadcast, a roundtable with mm. Gary and, and Dave and Shane and me. And Do you want to know what I'm doing? I, I'm not sure. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> They well, left, you're here. You're they, on the air. They left me Does out of the so well. They left me out of the program completely. Is that so? Yeah. Well, they they knew that you had very important radio commitments. Yeah, here. we're here until uh, six o'clock. Although I might leave at five just <laughs> just to see if anybody notices and and go along uh, that way. Uh, did you vote yesterday in uh, our big contest on which member of the VGK Insider Show people would most like to meet? Of course, Who I submitted a vote. Well, as as you know, Darren. Jersey guys stick together. Mm-hmm. And as Chris Chapman, though uh, long since departed, he is and always will be a native son of the Garden State, of the great state of New Jersey, Springsteen country. So, of course, Chris Chapman got Dan's vote. Well, that will account for 15% of the vote. <laughs> <clears throat> Chapman got 15% of the vote. Uh, He's all 15%? Wallace, Wallace received 22%. And... I ran away with it at 63%. So mm-hmm. I yep. I can't wait to meet everybody when they come by today <laughs> and talk and mingle. And, so uh, that's I, what this Reed, procession line is yeah. for. I thought that was to meet the players. <laughs> Rita's not going to be here, but Papa okay. Lou and uh, I think Stephanie's coming later. Uh, some of our regulars are, are, are going to pop by. And, and I cannot wait to actually be able to mingle and communicate in a responsible way with our with our listenership. This is going to be fun today. Yeah, I mean, you know, all 63% of your votes need to find a way to get down here from Canada. But other than that, <laughs> it'll be perfectly fine. Order's like, open. Well, I'm sure, if you fly. I'm sure you'll be okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm really excited for today. I'm really excited for this event. As, as everything's kind of getting set up, we're up on a stage above everything, looking down at the action and what will be the action later today. Uh, it feels normal. This, this feels like one of those normal events that we get before a season starts. It's putting me right into hockey mode, but really it's just going to be awesome to be around the fans of this team and this city. And while the players will be on the stage in a little bit, uh, it'll be, it won't be the same as it was a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. but 
at least we're here and you're going to be able to see and, and hear from the players and maybe lob a couple of questions up to them. You know, there'll be some souvenirs thrown out to the crowd. First 500 people, uh, gates open at, at 5.30, first 500 people get a hat. Uh, so you'll get the, uh, the VGK side of it. And today at noon at Sydney National Arena, we had, we had an official practice. Not the captain skate that uh, the players are going through, uh, both at uh, Lifeguard Arena out in Henderson and at City National Arena with the players that, uh, that are already in town. But we had a real structured sort of uh, opener to the hockey season with the rookies on the ice uh, under the tutelage of the Henderson Silver Knights coaches uh, led by Manny Vivros. All the, the kids that are going to take part in the rookie tournament in Arizona this weekend were there. Peyton Krebs was on the ice. Um, we got a, a look at uh, uh, Cormier, uh, the, the fine young defenseman. Uh, how, how about uh, Vickman? Like, we got to just see some of these players that we know a little bit about and others we've heard but haven't seen yet. I was excited to see, as I'm sure a lot of other people were, Zach Dean. Mm. You know, the first pick, and it's almost like there should be a, a spotlight or a <laughs> yes. tag, you know, maybe a scarlet letter perhaps stitched on the jersey. With all respect to the rookies uh, up and down the lineup, everybody wants to see the first-round guy. Yeah. And it, it's a badge that we know it can be difficult to wear. Ask Cody Glass. And now Peyton Krebs, who was drafted two years ago. He'll be a standout, of course, and he's played four NHL games already. And it will likely be sometime before we see Zach Dean approaching uh, readiness for the NHL, but it will follow him. I mean, he will have Zach Dean. It's almost like when they put HOF next to the Hall of Famers. It's like first-round pick is going to be attached to Zach Dean. So to see number 24 twirl around City National Arena, couldn't help but notice a, a few of those moments after the drills, between drills, he was near, not lingering around, but near enough to Peyton Krebs you almost couldn't help but wonder if there's a first-round draft pick club. You know, these guys, you know, I want to see each other. Okay, well, th- this guy was a first-round pick. How does Peyton Krebs carry himself? Um, you know, that, that, that all the way from a couple of months ago where we talked to Zach Dean live from Newfoundland where it was 1.30 in the morning by the time he was taken with the Knights' first pick, which was the 30th of the night. Uh, they have their own time zone out there, Newfoundland time. And uh, the excitement then, you can imagine, was excitement even more so today. But when he had a couple of nifty maneuvers and a couple of roof jobs, he didn't crack a smile. He, he looked like he had done it a hundred, maybe a thousand times before, which I'm sure he has, but never in a Vegas Golden Knights uniform. Yeah, you talk about the time zone. It's one half hour uh, beyond Atlantic time. Right, it's, yeah. It's, it's, 90 it's, minutes off of Eastern time. They're, they're, they're great Canadian. Yeah. Uh, when they give uh, times like uh, 7 o'clock uh, Eastern time, uh, 10.30 in Newfoundland. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it's yeah. like 8.30 in Newfoundland is, is a great song by the uh, Zach Plume Band. Uh, and, and it goes through all this Canadianism. But 8.30 in Newfoundland, is, uh, it just takes me back to my childhood. Uh, so Dean is one. I, Krebs just seemed to have players around him that entire skate today. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it seemed like the cool guy. Everybody yeah. wants to be around <laughs> yeah. Peyton yeah. Krebs. And, of course, I, I'm Even sure he is. Even the coaches, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and that's, you know, the other part of it is, you know, Krebs is sort of, if you look at the, the ages, you know, Krebs is sort of in, in the median there mm. at 20. But then you, you also look around. There are a couple of guys who were born in 98. You know, Jermaine Lowen and Jack Dugan, those are those are 98s. Meanwhile, the guys who just got drafted are 2003. That's a five-year range. And, and these days, you know, at the NHL level, 
Uh, we don't think about that age gap too much. But if you could put yourself back in, you know, your high school mindset, when you were 18 years old, can you imagine spending time with someone who was a college graduate five years older than you? That's mm-hmm. a big age difference. And here's Jack Dugan on the ice at the same time as, say, Zach Dean. Probably because they didn't get a chance to do this yeah. last year. Right. Like there's a, yeah. there's a whole bunch of players that were on the ice today, probably 80% of them, who were at their first professional camp yeah. because of the uh, skipping a year and the, the double group. Yeah. And, and then you also wonder about that dynamic as it relates to the tryouts. Mm. Um, Daniel D'Amato, for, ex- for example, is, uh, wasn't drafted. He's on a tryout because he didn't play last year. You know, he was supposed to be in the OHL, and his, t- his team didn't play. Yeah. And uh, he looked confident twirling around. Of course, I'm partial to the guy with the first name Daniel. Last name starts with a D apostrophe. But number 83 looked pretty impressive out there. Looked comfortable. And that's, you know, it's so hard to judge somebody's skill level when you're just doing line rushes and drills. And I'm I'm more interested in looking at the expression on a guy's face. And, you know, does does he appear comfortable? Is, Is he chatting with other players? Is he chatting with the coaching staff? You look at facial expressions. That's the sort of stuff I was watching for today. So, uh, yeah, the, even those guys who are here on tryouts, who knows? I mean, they don't come with the nearly the same hype as a first-round selection. But there are plenty of those guys who might, um, you know, might make an impact, whether it's in the short term or the long term. You go down the list of guys who might not have been very hyped but still had significant professional careers. Dan Duva is with us as we broadcast live from VGK Fan Fest uh, 2021 at the downtown Las Vegas Event Center over by the the D. Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace. Hey, are you uh, are you a Daniel? Is that the actual birth name? The the birth certificate. I don't I don't know if the business card says Daniel, but yeah, definitely. When was the, the last time somebody called you Daniel? My mother probably. Yeah. Were you yeah, in trouble? I, of course. Well, that's yeah. that's when it would come out. You know, believe it or not, a lot of the 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 family. Uh, yeah, Dan is on the business card, by the way. I just double-checked. The, uh... You use those a lot, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I know that the credit card says Daniel. Use that a lot more often. Uh, Danny, believe it or not. Mm. I, I was uh, hmm. the youngest among, um, you know, a big Italian family in Jersey. And, and so the, the cousins. How many? How many? Oh, well, my grandfather was one of five brothers, okay. who, and some had come over from Italy and some stayed, and, and the Duvas are, are all over the Garden State. But uh, they're, 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 when you've got that many cousins, there's age ranges. You know, my, my parents have cousins who were the same age as my grandparents and so on and so on. Anyway, so the, of a certain group, I was like one of the, the – I was the youngest. When I was a kid, there, there, were no, there were no cousins after me for – a few years, and eventually my brother came along, and I guess screwed it up. But uh, I, so I was the youngest one, so I got a lot, <laughs> a lot of attention. That may come as a surprise to you. Uh, and I, so I was Danny, right? I was the little. I, I was little. So I was Danny, Danny cousin. Yeah. So I have cousins, and now who are you know in their thirties, forties, or older, and uh, their kids now are at the age where now I am Danny to them. So I've got four-year-old <laughs> kids running around calling me cousin Danny. Which is just just a, a ride, I I think. <laughs> I think that's perfect. Like that's that's the circle of life right there. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's it's like a good comedy routine. Yeah. <laughs> and I also growing up in uh, Nutley, New Jersey, had two of my closest friends were also named Dan. So there needed to be some way to distinguish among the Dans. 
So with Danny D, Danny J, Danny C, uh, uh, Danny D, obviously. And, uh, yeah, so I, I was, but that's where I got Dan. And there was a Daniel, a Danny, and I was Dan among my friends. So Dan Duva stuck. Now you know. Danny and Ryan and Darren here at VGK Fan Fest. Come on down. Gates open at 530. I actually saw some people in the queue already. First 500 people in attendance get a uh, co-branded hat. And uh, the D Las Vegas uh, presenting VGK Fan Fest 2021. Chance is around here. I saw him back in his trailer. He's got his own trailer. Wow. Uh, Chance. And uh, the Vivas, uh, Dave Gosher and Shane Naughty are on their way. Uh, Shane was waiting on Dave to be ready. Mm. He actually told Dave the thing started at 2.30 today, so they <laughs> should be here around 5.30. Now we know things are getting back to normal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because we're waiting on Dave. Uh, and uh, Gary Lawless is also going to be here. We're going to have a, a nice little panel of broadcasters talking about their memories, and the players are going to be out here. They're going to play some games, and there's lots of different activities here. Uh, downtown Las Vegas uh, Event Center. Preseason this year. Mm. haven't had it. it it feels like more than just one year without it but uh, because we went into the bubble and there's just that one little tune-up game uh, what do you think uh, Pete DeBoer is going to want to look at with this group the first time that he's ever had any type of opportunity to experiment is without it, it mattering isn't that bizarre yeah you know we think about all the the bizarre uh, circumstances from the the pause in the season when Pete had taken over and then the, the uh, you know, which was just a bye week, and then the actual pause that was indefinite until phase three and the training camp and the preseason, quote unquote, return to play and, and the round robin stuff and, and on and on and on. Anyway, I, I, I think that along the lines of uh, any conversation you'd have in any year, and that is the new players. Mm. And I'm thinking about that with the Fan Fest today, uh, the guys who are new to the organization, you know, Evgeny Datinov is. Uh, a perennial 25-goal scorer in the National Hockey League. And with a, a lot of other important personnel discussions this offseason, I wonder if his arrival has flown under the radar a little bit. Uh, he's been around. I mean, he's 32 years old, I believe. And you know, the Golden Knights fans are going to get to see him today. He's expected to be here. And I, I would imagine for Pete DeBoer, um, not so much at FanFest, but when they're on the ice, he's going to mm-hmm. try to figure out where he slots in. And, he's going to wear number 63. And they're good to know. That's, uh, that's my little tidbit for you. And so, As a play-by-play guy, you should know as, I, I'm glad that you're looking out yeah. for me there, Darren. And uh, what, where will uh, his line mates fit in? And uh, with Alex Tuck being out until mm-hmm. you know, January, February, perhaps after the Olympic break, we don't know yet. But uh, how will that look? You know, what will be the, the center configuration? And that leads you to Nolan Patrick. Okay. Number 41. And, just good, if you're good. Okay. Yep, that's great. See, yeah. you've been preparing. Yep. It's fantastic. I got a thumbs up from Ryan. He never yeah. gives me a thumbs yeah. up. Good job. Yeah. I mean, what do you guys think? I mean, of course, Chandler Stevenson and Will Carlson were the number one and number two centers yeah. last year. Nolan Patrick, th- there hasn't been someone with his sort of potential as a bona fide NHL center. Right. Mm-hmm. So Cody Glass, they want everybody wanted him to be that. It just didn't yeah. have the experience. Yeah, exactly. Didn't yeah. yeah. And and so. When you have that first preseason game a week from Sunday, now let, let's also take a step back. They're not going to go with their opening night lineup the mm-hmm. first day of the preseason. I think they should, though. <laughs> like, just be fun. Hang a 12-goal game on the board and just set the stage. That's let's the most go. mallard thing you've ever said. <laughs> yeah. Really. Like, just light it up. Oh, there was a, a hat trick, was there not, in the first uh, game in Vancouver? <laughs> yes. 
four yeah. years ago. So, like, it, just in terms of, of the centers and, and Nolan Patrick kind of specifically, we're chatting a little bit about it. And for me, going into this season, when it comes to your third line, with Alex Tuck, and we know that Tuck's going to be out for a while, but there's been such a carousel of players on that line with Alex Tuck. If Nolan Patrick can come in and solidify that spot as a third-line center and does it without Tuck and you can get chemistry with those two players when he comes back, I think that just gives you so much depth if it works. And so Nolan Patrick being that third-line center probably isn't the worst thing in the world for the Golden Knights. I don't think you need him in your top six so long as he is contributing in that role. Right. It, it, it is the conundrum, and time will tell, and uh, only in retrospect we'll, we'll be able to say if it worked out or not. But Chandler Stevenson would not have been pegged to be a number one no. center mm-hmm. on a competitive team. I've told the story a bunch of times. I remember talking to Jay Beagle in Vancouver when he was a member of the Canucks. He had been a line mate with Chandler Stevenson in Washington during that uh, 16, 17, 17, 18 season and so on. And uh, Jay Beagle said, I knew how good Chandler Stevenson was, but I didn't want anybody else to find out. I didn't tell anybody because then they'd take him off of my line. <laughs> and I thought that really captured Chandler Stevenson pretty well and then you talk to scouts jim mckenzie has talked about him stone yeah said he he only knows chandler stevenson as an offensive high performance player because of their head-to-head battles in the western league and and how he has transformed the the guy that i remember seeing with the hershey bears in the american league i remember jim mckenzie telling me that he has transformed his game even from that point to figure out how to take advantage of his speed Mm -hmm. and, and so on and so on and and there he was all year and lest we forget the golden knights tied the avalanche for the best record in the regular season and they could go back with the same line of patch stevenson and stone and i bet you they'd be pretty gosh darn good the question <laughs> will be when you get to the postseason uh and, and i think we can all agree that the golden knights are poised to be a postseason team here what about the scoring when it gets hard to score in the playoffs the knights have come up short offensively in the third round and and so i i say of the, all of this and say it'll be interesting to see how they work it out in the regular season Dadinov, Dadinov, third line, Patrick, third line. Uh, do we uh, throw Tuck in there in the mix? When it gets to the playoffs, that compilation of third line, whatever mix you want to go, mm-hmm. those three players have an ability to jump out of that box and go to the power play, and that is the difference where your scoring can, can come from. All, all, while they're third line players, we project them to be right now mm-hmm. they can be power play guys with the ability to score and there in lies i think the biggest impact that all three of them could have on this team and you wonder about those power play configurations mm-hmm. and of course the power play had struggled so much last year and they tried the super unit that didn't really work they tried to balance the two units that would work in very short spurts is it a matter of chemistry? They tried lines, like just, yeah. just, just yeah. going with straight yeah. lines. Yeah, yeah, and nothing ever quite seemed to work, so the, the <laughs> it becomes mental at some point, right? So you throw some, some different uh, components into the mix here, and then you wonder about chemistry. Do you find some chemistry on the right. power play? Does that lead to even strength or vice versa? And it, 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 to me, will be a question of how much tinkering does Pete DeBoer want to do? We've become familiar with Marcia So Carlson and Smith. There was a time shortly after DeBoer's arrival where they were broken up. Mm-hmm. Last year, they were together, by and large, and, and stayed together. How much tinkering does Pete want to do 
with the new players. And, and you know, we, we haven't even mentioned, you know, some of the, the guys who would be presumed to be on the fourth line, like Brett Howden and Nick Waugh, et cetera. So how, uh, how much tinkering does people want to do, whether in the preseason, uh, there's the inevitable, someone else will get injured, right, mm-hmm. and all that, God forbid. But th- there is that thought as well. How much tinkering do you want to do? How much do you want to try and put Dadnov with Carlson and Marcia so for a week or two? I, I don't know. I-, I wonder to what degree people want to tinker because he knows eventually Alex Tuck is going to come back and he can't have Alex Tuck sitting on the bench. He's going to be in. Kreb, so, Krebs is in that mix and, too, and, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially given, you know, the, the, the salary cap considerations and, and Peyton being a rookie, he'll be uh, among the lowest played guys on the roster. You know, Pete doesn't change his lines very often. Yeah. Uh, so what we see in the preseason, I think will be his big opportunity to really give things a different look and that's why i'm i'm hopeful just in in watching camp and going through preseason that there will be a lot of different looks that we'll get to see a lot of different options maybe pairs in certain situations to see where you might be able to find a spark as you go through an 82 game season that as you and i talked about earlier on in the summer dan when we looked at the schedule is going to be fairly compacted because of that Olympic break. You're going to have lulls. There's going to be times during the season where you're going to need to switch something up for a game or two. And if you can have that experience to draw back on from preseason, I think that's helpful. You also think of, and I remember uh, Benoit Gru, who's the head coach of the Syracuse Crunch. His son is one of the top prospects for the Ducks. Benoit Olivier Gru. Real interesting guy. Coached in the Q, coached in the American. He's League, awesome, and, and he yeah, he's a really interesting character, and he he has a lot of sayings. But he would talk about duos, talk about mm-hmm. pairs. We think of pairs normally as defensive pairs, but he would talk about duos. And maybe you don't have a line, three players who are just in sync. But Ed- Edmonton does a lot of that. Yes, right. A great example. And so maybe. If, if you're trying different combinations together, maybe it's not so much about a line of three. Maybe you find two guys. Who knows? Maybe Dadnov and Patrick are dynamite together, and they as a duo might move with a, another left winger or something. Maybe maybe you, you discover that. Uh, you know, the, the smith marcia so carlson trio uh, is hard to find. But maybe there's a duo someplace in here that will show itself. So you can't break up Carlson, Marcheseau, and Smith. You wouldn't just think. The, the misfit line, like, it just works so well. It would, just selfishly speaking, it would take <laughs> so much away from my vernacular uh, and being able to describe <laughs> it that, that I'm firmly in favor of keeping those three together. And do you think that those three who had a good season, but they were very clearly the number two line, mm-hmm. as opposed to the first three years where – you know, maybe for outside of a week or two here or there, they were the number one line, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They were clearly the number two line last year, and Riley Smith's production in the regular season fell way off. Will Carlson, in terms of the goal production, has not been anything close to the 43 from the first year. Marcia so always, you know, different aspects of his game seems to take a step forward, but then maybe something He's else streaky, falls though, out. Right, right streaky. Yeah. So. It, it almost is as good as my point is as good as those three were as a line, Marcia, so Carlson and Smith last year in all aspects of the game. Might they be due to be even better this year? Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, it, Smith Smith's shooting percentage two years ago was off the charts. Right, very similar to what Mark Stone was last year. Yes, so it's that that kind of thing seems to even out. I would expect 
Smith to be more productive this year just based on the averages yeah. uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, Carlson, he he gets his looks. He does. And, and, and sometimes I want William Carlson to be selfish. I, he's such a great 200-foot player mm-hmm. that at moments I think just – cheat a little bit because you've got that <laughs> skill and you can you can do it he would tell you marcia so is doing enough for the whole line <laughs> jonathan we look forward to you joining us at some point uh honestly uh no you're right and but but that's the balancing act that yes. you have uh, yeah. when your line is is some guys do take the chances and other guys are are there to back him up but william carlson those numbers i think he's he's pulled back because of how responsible he truly is as, as a hockey player. And I'll throw one other aspect in this as it relates to the, the addition of Patrick Dadnov and what it might mean to have a truly productive third line. Also, the different roles deeper in the lineup. We think about Carlson and Smith, Stone. These are guys, the top part of the lineup, who are asked to play a lot of specialty team minutes. Mm-hmm. And you can't help but wonder how much that takes a toll on their production mm-hmm. or their five-on-five play. Kelly McCrimmon said it at the end of this past season that because of all of Mark Stone's minutes, how many times did they have to play with fewer than 18 skaters? Mark Stone often ate up some of those minutes. Is it a coincidence that Mark Stone had no points in the third round against Montreal? Uh, I don't say it's all or nothing. Probably contributed to a degree, not the entire reason, not totally an excuse, but the point is, you don't have to deal with that. And if you can get more trust, more production from a third line, not just in scoring, not just in power play production, penalty killers. Penalty killers. Well, mm-hmm. Stone, Riley Smith, William Carlson, right. and at times Chandler Stevenson yeah. kill penalties. Four of your top six on, on both both units. If you could balance that, take that some of that penalty killing away from some of them, you'd be okay. Yeah, I agree 100%. It, it's one of those things where you you want your most responsible players killing penalties when you when you need a kill, but if if I'm looking at those minutes and I'm looking at what I want Mark Stone to be focused on, more or less, it's putting the puck in the back yeah. of the net. It's finding a way to bring offense to this team. And you said the word focus. I think that's right on, Ryan. It, it, it's to a degree a mindset. If you're Will Carlson and Riley Smith, who eat up a lion's share of penalty kill minutes, does not your brain shift in towards more of a defensive posture mm-hmm. and being more responsible, which is good, but yeah. they need to score, right? If, if you are on the ice and it's your job to score, all of a sudden you don't want that defensive-mindedness overwhelming your regular play. And I, it's, it's impossible to know if that's the case, how often that's the case for one guy, for both guys. But uh, if they're often in the mindset of having to, to be defensive, I, I just can't help but wonder if less time – uh, or, or let's put it another way, to spread around the penalty kill minutes uh, more evenly allows Smith, Carlson, and others to focus more on the offensive side. Uh, Shane, now you're going to join us a little bit. I want to get into uh, some of Robin Leonard uh, with him, but uh, just to touch on it, uh, Dan, or Danny, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> I'll did, respond to all three. I did suppose. you see the picture uh, that was put out by the trainer, uh, the UFC uh guy that uh, works out a lot of uh, different athletes with robin Ro- mm-hmm. robin uh, we've, we've watched a little bit of robin when the captain skates he looks good yeah but to see him like without the mask on without the equipment uh the beard's trimmed the the hair's short and the, the face is great like he looks really good 
Yeah, and I would imagine that management is delighted to see mm-hmm. that yeah. because when we saw him, uh, you know, come back from the concussion, you couldn't say the same thing. And just uh, some of it's rust, but some of it is if you're not on the ice all the day. You guys know how many calories are burned by just going out and practicing. I mean, they burn I thought you were going to say walking upstairs. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I know that, Danny. When, when these guys practice, to say yeah. nothing of a game, and how many calories they're burning. I mean, it, it's amusing to me as someone who's, you know, barely five foot eight and 160 pounds or so that these guys eat more in one sitting than I would eat in an entire day. It's like, how do you do it? Well, they're constantly skating. Their, their bodies are burning calories it, like it's going out of style. So when Robin Leonard is unavailable because of concussion and he's not skating, you know, I wonder it just getting back into game shape uh, was problematic last year. But the work that he's done over the summer, it would appear, has him in very good shape coming into the season. And he <laughs> he thought enough about it to put it on Twitter. So what does that tell you? Exactly. What's your, what's your height there? You're five foot seven. The government says, <laughs> let's see. I want to put this into into hockey language for Uh, everybody. Right, see, let's see. So five foot. Didn't you write it down? Well, I I wrote it down after. No, it says five foot. It does say five seven. So five seven, and what's your weight? Uh, 160-ish. 160. If you were at rookie camp today, (laughs) (laughs) you you know what you come out at? Oh, no. You'd come out at a solid five ten. Five, I'm going to give you 5'11". Wow. 183. Wow. Yeah, it's You're Connor Garland. You're <laughs> nice. Connor Garland. There it is. I don't know if I've ever weighed 183. <laughs> no, no. <It's, laughs> you don't want to as a human, but right. as a hockey player. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's not bad. I was reading a story uh, today, and uh, they were talking about doing some fitness testing. And the, the player, it was, it was a, like a minor midget type thing, and they were doing the, the height and weight. And they went, mm, the kid was five feet, yeah. five feet tall. It was Matt Calvert, uh, <laughs> who Calvert, just retired. Yes. Matt Calvert. And the, the coaches uh, for his minor midget team said, five foot, five foot, yeah. Five four, they, they, that's, what yeah. They, that's, that's what they wrote down. So that, that's what we'll give you, 5'11". Can I give you a quick story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First year pro hockey, Trenton Devils, ECHL, owned and operated by the New Jersey Devils. Lou Lamarillo, GM. Chris Lamarillo, the assistant GM, therefore oversees the minor league teams. On the bus to, I think, Reading for an early season game. Might have even still been the preseason. And on the bus, it's sleeper bus, right? So there's not much room to yeah. maneuver around. A guy out What's of a pro- sleeper bus? The sleeper bus with the bunks. Okay, good. I knew that. I just wanted people yes, to know. Yes, yes. Has, has the bunks, the TV. There's card table in the yeah. back and so on. Uh out of Providence College, Tony Zancanero, who had been in pro hockey for a few years, ended up with a handful of AHL games, but mostly a career ECHL player. From Trenton, Michigan, went to Providence College. And uh, we've already pointed out that I am uh, five foot seven on a good day. <laughs> Tony comes up to me. We're standing on the bus, and I look down upon Tony. Okay? And Tony says, uh, hey, Danny. And he no way, Danny. Yeah. Uh, we got to do something about the roster. I said, uh, what do you mean? He's like, uh, we got to do something about my height. 
I'm like, oh, Jesus. Eat more carrots. Right? Well, he said, he says, uh, yeah, you know, like, what can we do? I'm like, well, Tony, first of all, I don't come up with the height and weight. Like, Chris Lamarillo decides I just Mm -hmm. put it on the roster. He's like, well, you know, is there anything you could do to talk to Chris? I'm like, well, I don't know what I can say, Tony. Like, we've already got you listed at five foot six. And he says, oh, no, no, I'm only five foot five. (laughs) (laughs) Great, hilarious guy. Yeah, that was my first exposure to him. Yes. Tony Zancanero. Great, great. Wear the step seal. Um, Have fun out there today and can't wait to get into the uh, exhibition seat. I'd like to have you on more than we've had you on the last couple of years and it's been crazy and and goofy but uh if your schedule uh, permits it if chapman wants to have me on to talk about new jersey stuff that chapman would be. has Listen, no he, say in he, this program dan is welcome anytime oh it's very kind he's like gary gary is welcome anytime i was gonna say like gary i'm glad you finished that sentence <laughs> well, i i i you're so mad right now. I constantly get them mixed up. <laughs> right, yes. Are, are, by the way, are you guys having a rematch today? Uh, we were going to. Uh, he ducked out. He ducked He out refused again. to. He said he's undefeated at 1-0. Right. And he refused to uh, to get into it. So yeah. I'm supposed to joust no, with No, no, no. That's Ryan not Wallace. really what happened. He said, oh, he said that because he's the champ and you lost... You need to go back and work your way up to the to the number right, one contender. Yeah. I remember hearing oh, him say so, that. Yeah. So that's why you want to joust me. I get it. But once yeah. Ryan that's defeats Darren later on today, we don't have to hear about it anymore. Okay, let's hope so. Okay, uh, Danny, uh, have some fun today, and can't wait to get into the preseason and, uh, of course, uh, fifth season calling games on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Good to see you guys. Good to see you, Dan Duva, Daniel, uh, with us uh, right now. We are going to slide into a break. Come back with uh, Shane Natty's going to join us in just a little bit, and plus a little bit of the Metropolitan Division if we have time. It's uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas, the VGK Insider Show, live from VGK Fan Fest at the Downtown Event Center. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Continuing coverage on the VGK Insider Show from the downtown Las Vegas Event Center. VGK Fan Fest 2021. Thanks to Daniel Duva for stopping by and spending uh, more than a half an hour with us. And we are going to be uh, blessed with the presence of Shane Knighty. Providing that traffic subsides and allows him to get here Whoa. on time. I ran into something I've encountered a couple of times, a handful of times in my yeah. time in Las Vegas. Traffic today. A little yeah. bit of construction. I don't know what it was, uh, but uh, it was uh, it was stop and go. Are you a arrive 30 minutes early yes. person? You yeah. are? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm an arrive 45 minutes early person, and that, that stems from me growing up in California where you had to arrive an hour early to be on time anywhere. Uh, downtown is usually very, very easy to get around, but as you mentioned, a little bit of construction, and all of a sudden things get a bit confusing. Yeah, it was, uh, it was strange to go through that. You're the earliest person I know. Like You get yeah. places unusually early. Yeah, I'm prepared. Hmm. Well, it's not that you're – I think you're over-prepared. I'm more prepared than you. Uh, I like getting there early, but then I like doing – I don't do anything with my time when I get there early. <laughs> I tend to screw around. Like today I went for a big walk and hung out with uh, some of my VGK coworkers. Yeah. And we did nothing associated with this broadcast. Uh, Metropolitan Division. Well, we caught a couple of seconds. Uh, and we'll do this in more in-depth uh, mm-hmm. in, in the next couple of days. But 
just when you look at, at what's going to happen in that metropolitan division, is it even more uh, competitive than what we're going to see out of the Atlantic where it's top heavy but very competitive? So I, I have a hard time kind of assessing the Metropolitan Division because there are teams that I can kind of I, identify early on as being teams I don't think are going to be very good. Columbus, New Jersey, though, I think they'll be better. I, I still don't view them as, as a team that's going to be pushing anywhere toward a playoff spot. But, you know, then I've got teams like Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and Washington that, you know, I, I kind of feel like the writing might be on the wall maybe for Pittsburgh uh, for Philadelphia to be better than they were last year and maybe for Pittsburgh obviously with the concerns in terms of health with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin to be worse than they were last year I, I think if I'm looking at this division who's the best I, team in Pennsylvania I think it might be Philadelphia and that's kind of where I'm at until I know how long Evgeny Malkin's going to be out, until I know how much time Sidney Crosby's going to miss, and until I, I can see that goaltending doing something to kind of keep them afloat in the, in the interim until they get those players back, I don't buy the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think Philadelphia is probably a more complete team. Can New York challenge the Islanders? The Rangers challenge the Islanders. Yeah, I think they can. Yeah. I, I think that the Rangers can certainly be better. I, I'm a big... Uh, I'm a, I'm a big Igor Shosturkin guy. I think that he's a big, fantastic goaltender. I think Artemi Panarin. How do you become an Igor Shosturkin guy? He's, like he's been around for a cup yeah, of I know. coffee. He's just fun to watch. I enjoy it. Hmm. I don't know. Why not? Like I, I could see you being uh, an Artemi Panarin guy, a Frederick Anderson guy, eh. uh, uh, John Gibson guy, somebody that's been around for a while. They're they're Igor not Shosturkin. They're just they're not as entertaining as Shosturkin. Hmm. He's got a cool name. Yeah. He, all he did is win his his first ten games in the league. Like that's fun. That is good. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I just I think that he's a really good goaltender, and I we're gonna start to to kind of see him in in not maybe the way that we view Andre Vasilevsky. He's got to be around for a bit, and he's got to do it for a long time. But yeah, you know, I I just think he's one of those young goaltenders on the rise, and he's gonna be incredibly good. So I'm getting in it on the ground floor. We have uh, some music coming up, uh, so things are getting uh, cranked uh, up here at VGK Fan Fest 2021. Familiar, <laughs> yeah. It's just like well, when we go through uh, the show at T-Mobile Arena and they go through the rehearsals from uh, mm -hmm. four to six. Yep. So the bells uh, up there uh, doing their thing. Shane Natty's going to stop by in just a little bit. Do you see any situation in the Metro where Carolina is the best team? So on on paper, I, I tend to feel like. The winner of this division is either Carolina or the Islanders. I, I look at those two teams as kind of the teams that should be among the top of this division. I think they're probably the two most complete teams in the division. I, I want to say, and this is just me overcorrecting here, I want to say that I'm going to buy the Islanders as the best team in this division. I don't give them enough credit. I don't give them enough respect. You pointed that out to me, Darren Millard. So I think the Islanders are tops in this division. Carolina is right behind them. You know why you don't want to buy on the New York Islanders? Why? They've been around since 1972. They will play in their third different building mm -hmm. in the last two years. Mm -hmm. But, so they've, they've had more homes than anybody in the last two years. Barclays yes. Center, uh, the Coliseum, mm -hmm. and soon to be the new rink in uh, Queens. That rink won't be ready until 
game 14 of the season. The New York Islanders are going to play their first 13 games on the road. Yeah. Which is, come on. Think about it in terms of last season, a 56 game schedule. Who is it giving them respect now? Well, I'm, now I'm saying take that into account. I think they're a great team. Yeah. But 13 straight on the road. And here's the other part. Eventually, that's going to be payback. And coaches don't like that kind of imbalance. Sure. They want to be on the road for a few. They want to be home for a few. They don't like being home for eight, nine games in a row. Mm-hmm. Too much complacency, too much routine. You don't, like, things get in the way. And same with on the road. So 13 games, it's got the potential to send them sideways. Yeah, it's certainly not an ideal schedule, but I I also think that when I look at that team and when I think about that division, I don't feel like it's as strong in terms of those top-heavy teams as you've got in the Atlantic. I know Washington is, is projecting to be a very good team. I could see them not being as good as they were last year. I, I'm not buying the Penguins. I'm lukewarm on the Philadelphia Flyers. Like I, That division to me seems like it's a very middling division with a couple of teams that I think are, are better than the others, the Islanders being one of them. And I, I think 13 games on the road, they can overcome that. It'll be fine. Uh, Barry Trotz has got uh, one of those eventful years with 13 games on the road, uh, coaching a team that's been to the Final Four the last two years. Uh, similar story is Pete DeBoer, who has been to the Stanley Cup semifinal or conference final the last two years. And both gentlemen will be part of Team Canada's Olympic staff for Beijing 2022. Uh, Pete DeBoer and his staff have been uh, hard at work putting together uh, their training camp plans for next week. The players are all in town, amazingly, and we won't get started for another week, but FanFest is underway, and uh, it's going to be a great representation today. We'll take a break and continue. Shane Natty's going to stop by, the uh, analyst for the VGK broadcast on AT&T Sportsnet. He will pop on the program, the VGK Insider Show, to give us an idea of what he's anticipating for this fifth year of the Vegas Golden Knights. The VGK Insider Show, live from FanFest on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. It's cool today. Live stream of the VGK rookie camp skate as the Golden Knights uh, went on the ice with their top prospects. About 27 players were, were on the ice, three goaltenders, a bunch of high-end skill up front and uh, they are off to Arizona to play the Coyotes tomorrow night 7:30 on Fox Sports Las Vegas uh, Brian McCormick with the call and then it is a Sunday game against the San Jose Sharks uh, that's a Sunday afternoon contest and Monday at 11 on Fox Sports Las Vegas uh, the rookie tournament will wrap up with the VGK up against the Los Angeles Kings uh, top prospects so a uh, good chance for Kelly McCrimmon and the entire scouting staff uh, management staff hockey operations to get a good look at uh, at their compilation of players that they've drafted that they've signed that they've uh, brought together here first time that they've done that uh, in a couple of years so this is a, a really it was it was a giddiness cuz I spent some time with the scouts and the uh, hockey operations staff today mm-hmm. yeah 
mostly talking about fantasy football, uh, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, but uh, but we were, we were, there was a giddiness about the group today at uh, Sydney National Arena. Well, it's exciting, right? You've got, you've got players that you, you haven't really had your eyes on. You haven't been able to get an opportunity to see for a little while, and, and now they're here in town working in front of you, and uh, it's, it's a lot of data points, right? You, you, get to, you get to see where the players are at just in terms of their development, and I think that's what's so great about this rookie showcase over the weekend is, uh, yes, you get an opportunity to see them in practice, but then you get to see them in games. Then you get to see what they're able to do against their peer group on the ice um, w- within the organization. I think that's going to be really fun for the players and really fun for the organization coaching staff. Keep going uh off script and thinking, okay, which player do I want to watch? Which player am I going to uh, pay attention to? Mm-hmm. Am I looking forward to seeing for the first time? And for a while it was Cormier. Then it was Dean. Uh, Krebs uh, keeps popping up just because he fascinates me with uh, his development and and where he's uh, come from and, and now on the cusp of uh, locking down a National Hockey League spot and the goaltenders uh, as well. But defensively, like this, this organization is set up so well on the blue line with uh, Coglin signing the two-year deal yesterday, trying to work his way into that top six mm-hmm. uh, through to Korzak and, and a few of the players that are coming on the, uh, on the prospect side. Yeah, I think you, you look at defense for the Golden Knights, it's kind of been one of the things that, that this team has built itself around. It's an identity that, that they've had from the beginning. Defensively, this has been a team that, that has tried to find players that fit into a mold and, and cut down as much as possible on, off, on offensive chances against. And I think for the Golden Knights, uh, it's, it's been about the crease and it's been about the defense out. And for me, just continuing to bring along young defensemen so that once you have an opening, they're ready to go for the NHL. The Golden Knights have done a really good job of making sure that that position has been stocked from day one. Do you think that's a news helicopter that's somewhat above us? Just hovering. All right, I'm going to get up and look. Okay, give me a minute. It, it's just hovering. I, yeah, you I don't know, see that very often. I mean, they've got the spotlight on you, but that's fine. So it might be a news helicopter getting one of those live shots at the downtown event center <laughs> as we get ready for VGK <laughs> Fan Fest uh, 2021. The players will be here in just a little bit. The doors actually open officially at 5:30. First 500 fans uh, will get a, a free hat. Uh, we're just uh, by the D downtown event center. Looking forward to. Uh, fan fest with the players around the players interactive and it's the first time that we've done this in a couple of years and we cannot wait uh, more to come as we continue to broadcast live shane knight expected to join us unless that helicopter is looking for him that could be a problem uh, when we continue here on fox sports las vegas